Welcome to the Gifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Online Program, which teaches you how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Erica Sosna. She is the creator of the Career Equation, award-winning virtual speaker. She empowers talent to own and drive their careers in their firm. Erica, welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Christopher. So I've seen award-winning writers, but I've never seen an award-winning virtual speaker. Tell us about how you got that award, Erica. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually, it's quite a special award to me because uh, it's, an, it's an award for being a female speaker. And uh, as, as you may know, within the speaker space, uh, women are grossly underrepresented. Um, you quite often get a conference billing that doesn't have a single woman on it. Uh, so um, I was part of a, a competition. In fact, I was nominated uh, without me even knowing about it uh, to, to compete for uh, award-winning female speakers, but speakers who uh, have uh, platform thought leadership and are able to convey their ideas in a compelling way. And um, I've actually been in the virtual space for a really long time. So I started uh, working as part of a virtual consultancy in 2002. So I've had quite a long time to kind of hone my persona when I'm not necessarily there physically in person. So I guess that was uh, part of the attributes that, that people appreciated. And it was, it was very nice to be honored in that way. Well, that's great. It's so telling and so prescient in that you're a pioneer in your own right relative to being a virtual speaker because most people, frankly, aren't really aware of this world unless you're in the coaching world. Now, I'm curious, what do you feel between painting a picture for a speaker on a stage, a physical stage, and a speaker in virtual? What are some tips and challenge, tips that you can share with people that might want to be a, an award-winning speaker, or I mean virtually, what, what are some tips you can share with us that we want to speak virtually and here are some suggestions you might give to us? Hmm, okay, so there's probably a few different angles on this. Let, let's start with um, uh, what you're saying and how you're saying it. So probably the first thing is that virtual isn't the same. <laughs> it sounds obvious, but you know, it isn't the same as being on stage in front of an audience. If you think about the way that people uh, view you, if I'm sitting in the audience, it depends where I'm sitting. There might be people's heads in the way. You might be really very far away and quite small, or you may be pretty close. And your mobility on the stage is something that I can really comfortably track. Whereas being, um, if you're speaking on a, in a virtual way, you need to think about yourself as, um, as you would if you were, you were speaking on the news, say, on TV, that you're making a connection with each person individually, eye to eye. So that's a really, really different uh, stage, as it were. And because of that, you need to be really mindful of um, the intimacy with which you, could, you convey that. So you're much, much closer than you might be when you are speaking on a stage. And the second thing, if you think about it, if you watch a TV or a news anchor, they never look outside of the screen, do they? So you've got this little screen in front of you and you see them and they see you and it feels like they're talking directly to you. But of course, outside of their view are a whole bunch of other people, their producer, their sound person, perhaps their auto cue, but they never let on that those things are, are, are around them. 
So that's the other thing that, that perhaps doesn't come natural to people and you kind of need to learn is to really make the connection eye to eye and not be distracted by things to left and right of you. Because if you think about it again, if, you're, if your news anchor started looking off screen, that would be very confusing and bewildering to you. So, I mean, there are lots of other things that I could say, but I think those are probably like two kind of immediately actionable tips that would be useful to people. No, that's amazing, Eric. Uh, my question is just to one last point and we'll get into your, your, the career equation. When you're doing these virtuals, do you look directly at the camera or do you look at the person on your screen, which is a little bit below the camera? I try to focus my attention at, at um, camera level. And again, there are some setups that specifically that you can create so that that is a natural base for you to focus your attention. Um, but I do think that's important. And I think um, just uh, taking up the space in the screen, however you choose to do that, whether you're standing up and presenting or whether you choose to present from um, sort of shoulders upwards, just re remembering your, your place in the screen and being centered to that and aiming to connect eye to eye uh, with as many people as possible. That's great advice. So let's talk about this, the, the career equation. What is that and how do you help your clients? Mm, great. So, uh, so here's the thing. Most people fell into their career rather than chose it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Most people, and this is really surprising because actually you're going to spend at least 80,000 hours of your life at work. So you'd think you might have had a plan for it. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you, you were thinking, I'm, I'm listening very attentively. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, when we notice this, we're like, hey, that, that is true. You know, I probably spend more time planning my vacations when, I, you know, when it's safe to have them um, than I do thinking about my career in a strategic way. Um, and there are a variety of reasons for that that are mainly related to the education system and its correlation or disconnection with the world of work that we don't have time for today. But suffice it to say that I noticed that there was a problem, which is most people had fallen into the career rather than chose it. If they had fallen well, then they found something was a pretty good fit or a company that they, they quite enjoyed working for or a, a profession that sort of suited their capabilities. Uh, but too often, uh, there was a sort of misalignment between who you are fundamentally and um, where you can add the most value in the world of work. And I first started to discover this when I was working with university undergrads and uh, MBAs and kind of recent graduates, helping them to kind of translate what they'd done in academia into the world of work. Uh, but 10 years later, having honed this method over and over again, working with people all over the world, I started to explore whether it might also be applicable to people later in life. Um, and you actually, define later in life, like 30s, 40s, 50s, like what do you, what do you mean later in life? Well, I mean, really uh, anything after the age of 30, so I was working mainly with under 30s at that time. Okay. But we now yeah. work with people up to uh, well into their um, 70s and 80s. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but the majority, I'd say the concentration, because we work uh, for the most part with large organizations, is folks in their sort of 30s to 60s. So um, perhaps they had fallen well and... Um, wanted to explore what was next for them. Perhaps they had never quite found their niche and were wondering what the point of it all was. Or perhaps they had really enjoyed something, but they just felt like they had served their time and they wanted to do something different. There was no go-to model, basically, to help people to define what their ideal environment for their career might look like. And there were loads of like cool psychometric tests and things like that. But none of that really gives you a kind of practical uh, decision-making tool. 
And this is important because careers are emotional, they're about financial stability, they're about identity. So I made it my business to try to work out a really simple formula that would enable people to really quickly and easily be able to define what they were looking for and be able to articulate that to others within their organization, for their coach, for their mentor, for their manager, etc. So the career equation is a word equation. It doesn't, it doesn't spit out a number and tell you <laughs> where you are, you know, there's a, um, uh, but it's, um, it's about the four key components that define a thriving career. And the reason that people don't take action on their career is because the amount of things that they need to consider um, in order to make a different decision can sometimes feel completely overwhelming. So I wanted to distill that range of possibilities into four buckets, if you like, that made it much easier for them to make good quality decisions and to know what works for them. So here's the equation in, uh, in a sort of minutes definition. The first thing is skills. We all like to work in an area of strengths. We like to play to our strengths. We like to do the things that we're good at. And people kind of know that, right? That if I work in a career where I'm, I'm good at those core things that you do, I'm going to enjoy it. So that's fairly obvious. Um, and then we add to that, that you want to use your skills in an area of passion. And we describe passion as um, subjects that you enjoy. So it could be like um, history, for example, or science or tech. Um, and ways that you enjoy being, for example, traveling or learning or solving tricky problems. So you want to apply your skills to an area of interest or passion to something that makes you curious. And then you want to add to that an impact that is meaningful to you. So there are many ways to define success. And most of us assume that success is predominantly about like more money, more seniority, more status. But actually, uh, all the research bears out that those aren't the ways that people measure how they feel successful. They're important elements of the fairness of the transaction of having a job, but they're not actually how I measure whether or not I'm feeling like I'm having a really good day. So we want to combine your skills and your passion with an impact that's meaningful for you. And that impact could be anything from the flexibility to spend quality time with my kids or to enjoy other things that are important to me apart from work, or it could be uh, transforming people's lives or transforming the way in which cities are designed. You know, it can really be um, individual. It's always individual to the person. So above the line, you've got skills plus passion plus impact. And then let's say that underneath the line, all of that can be enhanced or compromised by the level of environmental fit. And by environment, I mean the culture, the pace, where you work, what that environment is like, whether you're a specialist or a generalist, what kind of hours you do, whether um, you are an expert, whether you travel a lot, whether you stay at home, whether you're indoors, whether you're outdoors, that you can have all of those things. You can have a job that meets your skills, passion and impact. But if we then pop you into an environment that really doesn't suit you, you're really going to struggle. Yeah. So these are the four components. And over and over again, I found that environment makes the biggest difference for people. And it's the bit that they could tend to consider the least. Um, and so the equation helps people to very quickly understand these four buckets I've just explained to you in, in under a minute. And then to drill into, in each of those areas, how am I designed? What are my skills? Where do I want to apply it in terms of subject area? How am I defining my success? And then what environmental conditions need to be satisfied for me to do my best work? And once people know that, it completely transforms their ability to navigate, own, and make good quality decisions around their work, 
and it totally transforms their performance within the organization that they're in. Erica, thank you so much for transforming our lives and sharing with us your career equation in terms of how clearly you did it. How can our guests connect with you, stay in touch with you, and eventually hire you? Absolutely. So um, to find out more about the tools of the equation, the easiest thing to do is just visit my website, which is under my name, Erica Sosna. That's S-O-S-N-A dot com. Um, check out the blog. There's loads and loads and loads of um, good advice there. We also have a whole section called career tips. There's recordings of free masterclasses that we've done. There's tools and advice and videos to support people to start to explore their own equation um, and to drill into uh, how those tools might benefit, benefit them. And finally, I've got a book coming out actually next March called The Career Equation with McGraw. So you can keep an eye out for that um, on Amazon and in your local bookstore. Awesome, Erica, thank you again. Have a great day. My pleasure. You too. Thank you for listening to the Gifters Podcast. If you want to learn how to turn your story into a successful speaking and online coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com to learn more.